0: Welcome to the Calming Humanity Podcast, where we are here to have real human conversations. Today, I am joined by Patrina Pert. Is that right? Did I say that right? Pert. Pert. Mm-hmm. See, I knew I always mess up names. Um, okay. Petrina Pert. And she is a phenomenal chef um she feeds me once a month at our book club and it's the best day of the month quite honestly <laughs> um and <laughs> she has been on I had it in my brain um is it Top Chef no Uh,
1: um, oh, Beat Bobby Flay
0: Beat Bobby Flay I was like I and she's been on Beat Bobby Flay I have not got to see it yet because like just the subscription we have is a season behind and it was last season. So I'm still waiting on it, but I am excited to watch it. Um, and she's just a general, uh, in my experience, a fantastic person. Um, but Petrina, how would you describe yourself? Like, who are you?
1: Um, (laughs) well, that's a good question. I think first, before anything, I would describe myself as a creative. I feel like that's what drives me um every day even on the days where I don't (laughs) want to do anything that that's usually my motivation is just that that I feel I always feel the need to create so first thing I would say I'm a creative person the next thing I would say is I I am someone who's Uh, a forever student in the way that I'm always I love to learn I like learning I I just want to absorb everything faster actually but (laughs) so that's that's another aspect of me I think and otherwise you know I'm just someone who just wants to live a happy life I don't (laughs) it's not very complex when you break it down to just that you know
0: (laughs) I think that is honestly one of the like a very beautiful sentiment because in my experience what I've learned is when you boil it down and you take all of the complications out that's what we want we want to be happy and it doesn't have to be complicated so in what yes. ways do you feel like you have simplified your life so that you could be happy
1: ooh so um i would say i i only do the things i want to do and it sounds simple but it's not <laughs> to even get to a point to where you can do that is a long journey. And every day it's still a journey, but that's one way. I think a lot of times we put ourselves to be um, responsible for so many things and people too. And so we end up being in place saying yes when we don't want to say yes and being in places we don't want to be in. You know, and I found that the more, I only do the things that I want to do um, the happier of a person I am. So I'm not somewhere begrudgingly like, you know, just kind of hating where I am or hate what I'm doing, you know, being stuck at a job that doesn't please me or being stuck in a relationship that's not, you know, mutual or serving me. So um, I started cutting out all of those things and giving myself permission to say no, (laughs) even to myself sometimes. And so, I find that that's definitely helped in in making me a happier person. That and meditation.
0: And meditation.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, quiet time, and I don't, and I don't mean necessarily like you know, in yeah. the lotus pose and all that. I I mean meditation can just be you sitting in a room, at a quiet place, you know. So. Um.
0: So you've been on this journey that you have learned and grown and discovered that you, I loved the, I loved that you were, ugh, blah, 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 blah. I loved that you used the word permission. Um, Cause I think it, I mean, in my experience too, it's been, it. the learning came from learning to give myself permission and sometimes when other people are struggling giving their selves permission, I'm like, Hey, I give you permission. I, I, I give you, per- when I invite people places sometimes like I can feel their energy of like, Oh, I don't really want to go. And I'm like, you have permission to say no. Like I'm inviting you, but I'm not going to be offended if you need a day to sit in your room by yourself and chill. Like we all need that sometimes. But I also feel like granting like practicing, giving other people permission has (laughs) helped me give permission to myself as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's, I think a lot of times, like when you talk about things like only doing the things I want to do, it seems, it comes off very selfish and I'm not going to say it's not selfish, but one of my things has been discovering that I'm allowed to be selfish, because this is my life. And if I'm going to show up for somebody else as my best self, then I have to give myself the time that I need, and I have to be selfish. So I have this theory that, and granted, there's ways you can take this overboard, right? But I have this theory that being selfish is one of the most selfless things you can do for the world around you.
1: Right absolutely yeah
0: um what is okay what's your favorite way to meditate
1: um so i have i have a sort of like a little mini altar right in my house it's just where i keep my little you know my buddha um statue and i have different um hindu you know um deities i guess you could call them that that i like to keep on there and i also keep my my sage and my palo santo you know i'm i'm that crystal person i I have my crystals and all that so (laughs) what i like to do is i'll i'll sit in front of that sometimes you know and it helps to have some sort of aromatherapy going anything like Whether it's um, candles or um, incense or the Palo Santo, you know, or even if you're burning herbs or something like that. The thing is those things, they have, I guess you can call them terpenes, and they're known to be mood elevators. So that's a start right there, the smell. Just like, for example, being in the kitchen, um, I I love working with fresh herbs and stuff like that. But if you ever notice, you take a leaf of basil and you just crumble it up and you smell it. Instantly, you're just like, <laughs> you just let out a sigh, just you know, and that's thinking because, about
0: it. I let out a sigh, so
1: right, yeah, <laughs> and that's because you know, th- th- those are the terpenes responsible for that, and they're known. Um, I think it's called limonene or something like that, and they're known to elevate your mood and just bring this sense of relaxation. So, that's the first start for me, is just like okay, well, I need some, some help into this zone. So let me carry myself a little bit higher um, through the, through the, through the aroma. Um, so I'll like, light, light light something that'll get me there. And then I just want quiet. And, and as I get older, it becomes like more, the more I want quiet, you know what I mean? Because the kitchen is loud, outside is loud, everywhere I go is loud. And so I just, when I, when I go to my, my place, I I just want peace and quiet. <laughs> and so like, that's where my, that's where I start. I shut off everything that makes noise. I like, I like um, something to get that scent going. And then I just, I'm just there in the quiet, in the space. Sometimes I call it my God space, especially when I'm in the kitchen and I'm working and you're just in a zone of just, it's almost like, like like my background, it just like blurs everything out. And yeah. then it's just like you in this quiet space. And you can, you know, you can hear. You can hear yourself. You can hear your thoughts. You can hear the universe. You can hear God, whatever you want to call it. You just, you're finally just in that space of quiet. So that's usually how I do it. I mean, I don't have any like special thing I do. and And sometimes I find myself just driving, I mean, this is Cheyenne, we don't have beaches, but we have some lakes. And so (laughs) there's the closest one, I think is like Lake uh, Lake Apsaraka or something like that. It's called, sometimes I find myself just like driving out to that and just like standing near the water. So it's never like any like (laughs) fancy way of meditating. Sometimes it's just either being in nature, and just letting nature speak and let nature make, make the noises, you know, or it's just me creating that quiet space at home and just listening to my heart or whatever comes up from that.
0: Okay. So I have two, two things that came up for me. I'm going to go with the most recent one. Cause I find it interesting. Cause you said you like drive out to the lake. Um, I'm the type of person where I drive. Like I love, to drive, and sometimes it is with music, and sometimes it's with silence. Um, I really like like when when I need to clear my headspace for whatever reason. And sometimes I've invited friends on drives, and I have friends who are like, "Where are we going?" And you know, I'm like, "We're not. We're we are just going." And when we get to whatever like we 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 go until we feel like we don't need to go anymore, and then we turn around and we go back like that's that's all we're doing is we're just going um and I've had some people who are like okay that's weird if there's not a destination like what's the point um and other people who are willing to jump in and just go um so I feel like driving is honestly one of my forms of meditation especially when my like when I'm over stimulated because it just it helps me zone out and one of my things there have been times where i've gone on drives where i just like i'm like youtube you are you're deciding the music like you're choosing the mood and like then i'll like journal over all of the songs that it played because whatever song came up put me in a different feeling and it's just cool um but the second thing going back to the smells i it made me wonder because you are a chef and you do work with herbs on a regular basis and you are very in tune with your sense of smell. Um, if like, which came first, the chicken or the egg, like in your meditation practices, like, did you notice in your life that you liked smells before you realized that they help calm you Or did, did they calm you and then you realize that you like smells because like my meditation is usually very physical because being in my physical body is what brings me Zen. Um, and I just wonder if that, like, if that's a connection that you've made. Um, yeah, that's, that's my wonder which came first.
1: Actually, so, you no know, it it came about through research. So I I was curious as to I mean I it's something I noticed because when I was a line cook, you know, I, while I was still working in Vegas, you know, um and I mean we would do some numbers at you know, these restaurants and there are times where you're just going 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 like nonstop for like 2 hours. You can't even stop to think because then you lose your momentum. Um, and there are times in the kitchen that's like that and you're just, or just times where you're prepping and everything's happening and, and you can get overstimulated very easily. And so I would notice a lot of times I would just be like, I just need a minute. <laughs> um, and so in that, what I would do, I, I, was, I would go in the walk-in, I would go to all the fresh herbs and I would just grab the rosemary or the basil and just go and just like smell it. <laughs> like, i just be like, and do like like three or four times before I was able to like go back in the kitchen and be like, okay, I can do this, you know? So I would do that quite a bit. you know. And, I was, and I, was like, I was like, I started getting curious about it. Um, and so I looked into it and I was like, why is that, you know? That and kind of around the same time I was preparing myself for, um, to do a um, infused, a, a THC infused five course dinner. Okay. So, which this is legal in Vegas, by the way, <laughs> just want to put that out there. <laughs> um, so I was preparing myself to do that. So I was researching cannabis and all that. And then it started talking about terpenes and how terpenes are in plant and they're, they're known to do this and stimulate and mood elevate and all that. And so as the more I got to know about that, I was like, well, if they're in, if they're in different strains of marijuana then they're probably also in herbs and other Mm -hmm. other plants too and really that's how I actually got the the definite answer. Like, okay, I'm not just weirdly in the walk and sniffing basil. <laughs> <laughs> like there's some science to this, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and that's how I discovered that. And I was like, okay, well that makes sense. So that's why I like, I'm such an avid um, person of cooking with fresh herbs versus the dry herbs, which they're great too, but just that freshness really just drives it home. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, what is your favorite thing to
1: cook (laughs) um I don't know if I have a favorite thing to cook but uh, what it is is I like the process of doing certain things um I like working with my hands um but I'm not like I'm not a I I don't care for my hands to be sticky in that way right Mm -hmm. but things that are that feel good on the hand to me are like dough Mm -hmm. pasta dough Bread dough, folding. Like, I like that kind of processes. Those are usually my favorite things to do. So, if it's like on a Sunday afternoon and I'm making fresh pasta, you know, and I got to like work it in and pull and crank it out and stuff it, like if it's a ravioli or something like that, I like those long processes where it's like, actually, I feel like the reason I like it is because it becomes sort of a meditation thing for me. Because you're so focused on doing that task that, again, it gets quiet around me. And then I can just be in that space. And that is my favorite place to be, is is in the zone or, or my God space, you know?
0: I like that. That actually, so I went to school for architecture and I always got in trouble because I did all of my drawings by hand and not on the computer because it was you know we're supposed to be moving to the computer blah 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 and i told one of my professors one time cuz he kept asking he's like why do you keep doing this and i said there is a zen in drawing a line like you have to breathe a certain way to draw a line straight with the right weight and do all of that um and so like that's i feel like back in that day i didn't have those same words for it then but Like that was my God space. That was like, I would lock myself in a room for 20 hours straight drawing lines. And it just, it, it does. It just chills you out. Um, But I totally agree with the bread. I made my mom's cinnamon rolls for her birthday last week. And I haven't made cinnamon rolls in ages and working the dough. Like it always reminds me of my grandma's because I'm like, like my grandma was like, they were super strong and they didn't lift weights like I do, but they needed bread. Like they made things with their hands and it's just so much. And it's also more personal. I feel like when you cook, I mean, making homemade pasta, homemade Mm -hmm. pasta, that is so much more personal than pouring a box of pasta in some water and waiting for it to be done. And like, Yeah, there's a level of love and effort that is put into boxed pasta and making stuff and still serving your family. But having that ability and that knowledge of how to do that all from scratch, like, that is a gift. And, I like, I know it's a gift of yours because I've gotten to be on the other side of it, and it's lovely. Um, When did you... First of all, do you consider it a gift, your cooking ability? And when did that start to develop in your life?
1: So I, I do think it's a gift. Um, I think, I do think it's a gift, but I, I also think it's something that can be taught as well, mm-hmm. you know, to a certain, to a certain extent. And I would say the the, the time where I realized that it came easier for me than other people I think was right around the time I was still at Le Cordon Bleu culinary school and you know we'd be in class and there's like let's say there's 15 15 of us and each day we all we all start with the same recipe Mm -hmm. and when I tell you that 15 people cooking the same recipe you get 15 different results (laughs) that's when you start to realize okay everyone can do it, but for some people, it's going to be easier. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so 15 um, different versions of the same recipe, and they all might look different because everyone's going to express it in their own way. And so (laughs) it wasn't until then that I I really started thinking, okay, you know, maybe there's, there is, there is more than just instructions here. You know, it's, it's like some things are going to be innately easier for me or for you than than for someone else in the same field. But the cooking thing was never always a passion, <laughs> honestly. So I really, I and I tell people this all the time, when I was younger, like I hated cooking. I was like, no, I don't wanna do that. I wanna be playing and doing all this stuff. And it just seemed like it was something like only girls had to learn how to do and be in the mm-hmm. kitchen. And I was like, I wanted to rebel sort of against that, you know, <laughs> part of the reason I was in the military, I guess um so it wasn't it it didn't even start as a passion it started as just kind of like experimenting with stuff and having to feed myself being the first being away from home for the first time so I was like well I can't just survive on (laughs) you know fast food I gotta get some nutrition somehow and so it started with me just seeing what i remembered from you know being forced in the kitchen with with my mom and my grandmother (laughs) i was like i just i would just cook what i knew and then it became something where okay let me try some new things and um Mm -hmm. the passion really came when i when i would cook for other people Mm -hmm. and they enjoyed it and they loved it and i fell in love with that i fell in love with being able to um create something you know from scratch because that's what you're doing food is art even though it's not obvious art you know and so like like a painter or a sculptor or something I'm in the kitchen I put my hours into this and I and I put the thoughts and creativity into it and then you know I come and I present it to you like here it is this is this is me on a plate here's my thing (laughs) And, you know, for someone to love and appreciate that, I fell in love with that and I'm, it made me want to do it more and more. And so that's where the passion really came from was like, okay, so you can do this thing. I'm actually good at this thing. <laughs> and I mean, it's food, you get to eat it and it's yeah. really the only art you can eat. So.
0: <laughs> it's true. <That> part's great. <laughs> um, I also like, so I agree that, that food is art, but it's also science which yes. has always been one of my favorite parts about it and I know we've kind of talked about this before in our personal conversations but in because like you've talked to me about how like you like to experiment with new recipes and like creating your own thing and like once you understand how the science of food works how leavening works and how um, like the texture of like what the texture of the dough needs to be for it to turn out a certain way and things like that. Um like that's an endless possibility of creativity. Um and I think that's like that's always been one of my favorite things because I'm the kind of baker like I don't measure things with with measuring stones or anything like that. I'm like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, that looks like like it's the right consistency. Um, and I bake things until they smell done, which my mother hates. She's like, did you set the timer? I'm like, no, it's, you don't need the timer. Your nose will tell you when it's done. <laughs> and, um, she's obviously a measurer and, a <laughs> she follows a recipe. Um, and, and I think we've talked about this before, but are you, are you a measurer or are you a little bit of this, little bit of that, like smell something and smell something else and go, those two things will go well together and throw it in there.
1: I'm definitely a little bit of this, little bit of that, intuitive cook. And I think it's important to have that, you know, because once you, once you, and, and the thing about it is in order to get there, you've obviously had practice and done it, done it so much times that it just comes like second nature. Um, so, I'm definitely that way, especially when it comes to savory foods. I don't need to measure the salt. I know when it's enough salt. I know what I want to put in there. I just, you know, and sometimes it's funny because people who rely on the measurements, they'll come in and they'll watch you and think, like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, how do you know? Um, so, but, but, but since, um, you know, having to create what they call standardized recipes in the kitchen, which is like, you know, you create a recipe that you can, you can give it to someone and they can replicate it and do it the same way. Every time I've had to discipline myself in that way to say, okay, some things I will have to measure because I want to get it right. You know what I mean? And I don't want to mess it up. And I want to be able to pass this on to someone who isn't an intuitive cook who can't do that there are people who are great at following the recipe but if you take it from them and say go create it they're like I don't know what to do you know and they'll be lost in the kitchen and I get that my sister is a measure, and <laughs> and she's a beggar and if I go in there and I'm just like eh, 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 she's just like eh. I <laughs> feel like it makes
0: people anxious <laughs>
1: yeah it does <laughs> meanwhile it's just like no trust me it's good it's good <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> I've I've baked with some of those people before, where they're like they measure and then like level the top, and, yep. and then they and then they do it again, and I'm just like over here tossing things in, and they're like having a panic attack because yeah, like in retrospect, yeah, in retrospect, I'm like, oh, I should have had more compassion for them because they don't think the same way I do, but also yep. I had not grown as much as I have today. And so looking back, I can say, yeah, I should have, but I didn't. So Mm -hmm. that's how I became who I am now. (laughs) Right. Um, Oh, that brings up a random question. Um, when you think of compassion, what is the first thing that comes to mind for you?
1: Um, I think it's really just understanding that everyone's going through something or struggling with things that we don't know about, um, you know, and so it's, it's always important to me to try to hold space for people, even when they're being the most ridiculous, <laughs> which has been the lesson of like the last five years so to speak for example like the loudest angriest person in the room is usually the one that probably needs the hug the most you know what i mean but most often they don't know how to express that and they don't know that that's what they actually need they just want to be heard but they don't know how to say or identify with saying i just want to be heard so instead they're just yelling and screaming and slamming things and throwing things you know and that's how they express it um um, and so it's hard to be in a room with someone like that and be like, well, come here. Would you like a hug? You, you know, it's going to sound condescending, but you know, it, it'd be hard to be in the person with the room and then still try to maintain, you know, your good mood or whatever. So for me, it's compassion. Now, how I understand it now is being able to see that, for example, and just know that Whatever is happening there, it's not necessarily always have to do with me. You know, this person is obviously going through things that they can't talk about. And it doesn't even have to manifest that loudly too. It could be anywhere, it could be anyone, even the both of us now. I mean, <laughs> I consider you my friend. I think I know you, but also I don't know the struggles. And everyone has things they don't talk about, you know, right. and and sometimes the thing that we should talk about the most is the thing that we hide away from the world so for me um in the last few years it's been a very important thing to me to just receive people for who they are and just have enough compassion to say okay (laughs) all right um
0: I'm gonna come back to that first I'm gonna ask you if you're willing to share is there something that you feel like you need to talk about
1: Um, not really at this moment. I mean, I'm sure, yes, somewhere deep down in there, but (laughs) not in this moment. Yeah.
0: I think, so the way you put it, holding space for people, um, what's, what's the nicest way to put this? I do not share the same We'll just go with like political ideologies of a lot of people in this town, um, or in this state. And so even though like I feel like I'm the one who's like the odd man out, um, I love having conversations with people who I disagree with because I think first of all, that's the not just the best way to learn, but the only way to learn is to have conversations outside of your own belief system. And like you said, holding space for people and just if there's someone who is being really loud and like, you're right saying, do you need a hug does sound very condescending. However, if you sit down and have a conversation with somebody and you let them speak and you let them say what they feel like they need to say without arguing. And I know I'm a I'm a question everything kind of person. And I like having in-depth discussions about things a lot that some people take as arguing um, because I have a different viewpoint. Um, But I think being able to have a civilized conversation with somebody and letting them speak is sometimes the best way to, like, build that bridge. And if you you sit and have a conversation with somebody who disagrees with you, if you actually take the time to listen to them, by the end of it, you can say, like, hey, do you want a hug? And they're going to be much more... I mean I can't say that word right now <laughs> likely to
1: receptive, um, yeah.
0: yeah they're gonna be much more receptive to that and just in general hugs are magical right. um like there's studies that say we need a certain amount of hugs just to get by to survive whether it's with another human or with your pets or whatever like hugs are necessary because mm-hmm. human touch And just touch in general is necessary for survival. And I think that holding space for people, and it's, it is, it is very difficult to hold space for people who you 100% disagree with. Like I've been in conversations where people are saying things that I'm just like completely against. And it's it's difficult internally because I'm just like, raw, 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 raw. <laughs> but <laughs> like in that, that journey, that discovery of compassion, like you said, you've, you've learned like almost a different definition of it as you've gotten older. Um, I've learned that sometimes, In order to be compassionate to other people you have to let those feelings of like i wholeheartedly disagree with you not let them go but don't let them rule the moment and don't get me wrong there have also been times where i don't keep those things under control and people say things and i'm like no and then that's when it turns into an argument and i get a little little heated but there yeah I just think I don't know but then that also brings up the question of like where is the line of being compassionate towards others versus being compassionate towards yourself
1: right Hmm. (laughs) see like when I think about it like so um well first to hold compassion I think a lot of times you have to kill your ego because that plays Hmm. a big part in not being able to understand someone else's perspective it you know and that's something I I, I I'd like to think I have done is like or, or continue to do like kill my ego like I don't care if I'm right or wrong no, the thing I care about is that five hours from now or when I go lay down to bed or something and I replay the day like we all do I'm assuming I'm not disappointed in myself you know what I mean like I'm not disappointed in how I acted, or I'm not like I haven't let someone taken me out of the the space I like to operate in. So that also helps too. Is like knowing that. Am I going to be proud of this reaction later on, or am I going to be disappointed and wish it didn't happen? And if I'm going to be disappointed, then that means it's going to replay in my head all the time, and I'm just going to be like, God, I wish I wouldn't have said that or done that, or I should have just said, you know what, you're right. So for me, um, and that comes with letting go of your ego in that way, killing your ego in that moment or just whenever necessary is to say, you know, (laughs) but the the thing is going back to when you were saying like, when you get really, sometimes passion comes off as anger. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I noticed that when I was younger, especially if I was going back and forth with someone I didn't agree with. And I was like, and I'm trying to bring up all these points and I'm like, yeah, but this, but this, but this. And I'm not necessarily angry in the moment, but I'm passionate about what I'm speaking about. So it comes out very aggressive at times, you know, so that's something I've had to realize about myself, like, (laughs) what were you going to say?
0: Well, I was just thinking, so the, the moment that I was thinking of when I said, you know, sometimes it does turn to an argument. I was having a conversation with a coworker that turned into an argument and it was over the library policy at the schools and the banning books which I'm very passionate about but I think mine was anger (laughs) it it wasn't just because talking to someone who's just blatantly like no people shouldn't like kids should not have access to information I am like it makes me angry because in my experience of having information kept from me as a child led me into adverse experiences. And I can't say that if I had the knowledge, those things wouldn't have happened. But what I know is that the knowledge was kept from me. And so bad things happened because I didn't know better. So like, I'm all for open communication. I like... I mean, the other, one of the things you said you were talking about, like you don't like people being able to take you out of like the energy you want to be in. Quick question. Yeah. When, like when in your life do you feel like you solidly were like, this is the energy I want to be in. And I, and you realized that like almost that it's your responsibility to keep you in that energy, but that you like you can remove yourself from things that take you out of it when when in your life did you figure that out
1: um so it was actually just not that it was a few years back I was working with someone I would call my mentor especially at the time and I remember when I met her like I was just like oh my god this woman is me like I saw myself in her you know what I mean but not all not all of it was good too some of it was the bad qualities too but I saw myself in this woman and the more I got to know her you know I realized that even though we have so many similarities there's a lot of things that um that she you know like she is very like her emotions were always up and down almost like bipolar it, i would definitely classify it as something like that you know so it'd be like she'd be crying at one moment and the next moment you know an hour later everything's fine and then it, she's happy and then, but whereas my emotions didn't range so drastically and it wasn't so extreme i still saw some of those things in myself so it was almost like looking in a mirror but 40 years from now in that way and it was kind of like a wake-up call. At least that's how I took it. And I worked with her for like five plus years. At least that's how I took it as a wake-up call to say, okay, if you don't start learning how to manage your emotions, this will be you mm-hmm. when you're her age. And not that they're and I'm not speaking ill of her, you know, she's a great person, but it was just me realizing like, wow, we have a lot of things in common, like two hurt girls, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. So it was like, Um, So it was like a wake-up call to say, okay, I need to start really looking inward and learning how to find a balance to where everything doesn't affect me emotionally, to where I'm not constantly operating from my emotions, but I'm able to identify them to say, hmm, well, that really pissed me off, but it doesn't mean I have to stay pissed off. I recognize that it's something I didn't like. And even though it's something I didn't like, it is not going to rule the day. You know what I mean? And so it takes, it's a lot of work. I mean, Every day, it's, every day it's work. <laughs> but it's just like, and I, and I, and I, and then, you know what? I'm constantly, not constantly, but a lot of times around people who are just not operating at a higher, higher, higher emotional level like that. So it's like, it's good practice. I get to practice it all the time. <laughs> so you know I'm not um so it was just like that that's where it just really kind of started my journey into like okay I need to go inward and figure out what those things are your triggers so to speak and then say these are the things like instead of just being upset being asking myself why did it upset me and like going back and back and as far as I can get to I realize okay it reminds me of this one time where this happened and that's really where this is coming from. And that's why I'm so defensive is because maybe I didn't defend myself back then, but here I am now and my body's reaction is to say, we're not gonna let this happen again, you know, kind of deal. (laughs) So a lot of it comes from that. So I I used to a lot of like inner working to say, okay, I don't wanna be someone that's constantly triggered by everything going around me because I'm gonna be exhausted. Yep. If I spend the next 40 years like this, I'm going to be exhausted. <laughs> so I need to get to a place where I can be like, not always happy because no one's happy hundred percent of the time, you know, right. but if I could be, if I could walk through the world being neutral and being, um, not, not disconnected, but like, what's the word? It's like, um, it's like, um, not, taking ownership of every everything, you know what yeah. I mean? It's almost just like being an observer versus yeah. being the main character. I don't have to be the main character. I don't have to play in the game, but I can, I can stand outside and observe what is happening and not let it pull me in. I think there's a saying that goes like being in the world, not of the world, so to speak. So yeah. you don't have to let the situation rule you. That reminds me of another thing I'm going to tell you because I think you'll like this. Um. (laughs) So, and it and it has it's kind of on the same lines of like being at the observer, right? And it goes back to your um your thoughts, for example, right? So I have, (laughs) I'll tell you this because this is the most recent tattoo I have, and it's so random, but it's a bench, right? Oh, I like it. It's just a cute little bench. I got this two weeks ago. And (laughs) no one will probably be able to guess why there's a little random bench on my wrist, but it kind of talks to the moment right now. Um, So in going back to talking about being the observer and not like the main player in your emotions, um, I don't know where I read this book. I don't know what book it was, but I read this thing and it stuck with me for a while. And it's that, Not, it's like when your thoughts go through your mind, intrusive thoughts, negative thoughts, whatever, those are the ones that usually bring us down, right? So in the book, it talked about um, being a witness and an observer to your thought, but not being the owner of that thought. So in a way, and the the analogy the book gave was, imagine that you're sitting on a bench Mm -hmm. and you're on the sidewalk and you're just, you're facing the road and you're watching traffic go back and forth. Cars going this way, cars going that way. You don't put yourself in the car. You're on the bench, right? So as the negative thoughts, whatever it is, um, coming in and out of your brain, or even call it your emotions—the anger, the disappointment, the depression—all that as it goes by, they're the cars. So you're not in the car. You're not driving. You don't have to take ownership of it. Here goes the anger. Here goes that. You're not that. You're you're on the bench. So it's almost like you're you're disconnected from it you're connected but you're not yeah you know you know what I'm saying so and that's how you kind of have to deal with your emotions and your thoughts I think is to just go back to the bench <laughs> just because you had this crazy emotion come in and someone tried to piss you off doesn't mean you have to you have to catch it you don't have to put yourself in that car you don't have to drive it you can go back to the bench and say Okay, I realize this is happening, but I'm not going to take ownership of this and I'm not going to allow it to just drive me back and forth and ruin my day, my life, my whatever. So it's kind of the same thing, how I just try to start to realize what things I would like to change about myself and what how I would like to disconnect from my emotions so that I'm constantly at a neutral plane and I'm vibrating higher, if you want to say it like that.
0: I think it's interesting like you say neutral and I mean I've been through a lot of therapy because I've been through a lot of shit um and I remember having a conversation with my therapist where like we talked about how like neutral is like zero and then you've got negative feelings you've got positive feelings and the goal is to get like this range as evened out as possible so like you go so like your waves of emotion are it's it's like a regular frequency right like you're just you're just riding the wave and it's totally instead of having the spikes of like hey we're super manic hey we are super depressed like um because the f- further and it doesn't necessarily matter how far down the the negative and how far up the positive is but it matters that they are equal to neutral so that Mm
1: -hmm.
0: your, your lows and highs are equal so that that range feels like it's balanced. So like you flow through it. So even when it's, even when you're sad, you know, that you're not like dying. It's when (laughs) it's, it's when that sad goes below that, that like normal wave and you get out of that frequency and out of your normal like your average flow and I I really like that because it doesn't mean that you have to be like emotionless it doesn't mean that you have to have no emotion it just means that like your emotions are of the same magnitude and You're not being controlled one way or another, but you do find that like, like, I know I keep saying frequency, but even just like, think of ocean waves, like they, Mm -hmm. they move at a specific rate and they, like, it all works together and you don't, you don't have to be good, you don't have to be bad, but you find, finding wherever your, like, I'm gonna say frequency again finding where your frequency is um but I like that a lot because I I don't know I feel like depending on who you are um and they're like whose perception of me some people think that I'm like overly emotional and some people think I'm a robot um when in actuality I'm like somewhere in between that <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's like, people think I'm always happy and I'm like, I'm just neutral. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) It's easier to be happy when you're neutral. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. I think that's, that's a really good goal of where to be. Um, So I asked you that question because I, I didn't learn that until well, say early thirties, like, first 30 years of my life was like ruled by emotion. Couldn't like everything, everything I did probably was completely ruled by something that happened to me in the past. And it was when I hit 30 that I started working on things and started my healing journey and um, just have changed dramatically in the last five years but one of my hard things and like for me, I refer to it as like reparenting my younger self. Mm-hmm. But then I also am parenting my actual children. And <laughs> I have the conversation with my oldest a lot because he comes to me and he's like, this person made me mad. He made me sad. She made me angry. And I'm like, they didn't. Like you, you are in control of your emotions. Yeah. You are the one who gets to decide if you are like, if you decide they did something and you want to be angry, you can, you can take that energy and be angry, but it is, they're not the ones in control of how you're feeling. And like, I just have like this goal that hopefully I can impart this wisdom onto my children much sooner than their thirties so that their lives are easier and they can enjoy this like this zen of like knowing that the world is not their responsibility sooner and I don't know I think part of that is like hopefully not traumatizing them too much (laughs) you know you know there's that saying like you just you want to give your kids just enough trauma that they're funny but not so much that they spend too much time in therapy Mm -hmm. um right I know I'm not trying to traumatize my kids. Um, <laughs> but also I'm human. So yeah, uh I have flaws as much as anybody else. Um right. okay, so we're gonna move into our game real quick. So you have a question. Well, you get to answer the question first at the very least. What character trait do you most admire in a person?
1: empathy okay and honesty is a close second but i think if you have empathy you can the others honesty and all the other integrity all those will come easier um i've i've just i've i've met and dealt with people who lack empathy and it's a very scary thing to look at to see someone who would completely disregard someone else's uh, life even or their well-being and just like just straight face, don't, don't care at all. Like it's not even a factor to them. And so, and again, yeah, a lot of these lessons have been like crashing into me in the last five years. So it's like the last five years, I would say it's been a crash course into life lessons, but it's, that's one thing. Um, and I saw that in someone I was dating, and it, and it wasn't, you know, it's not something you see at first, of course, but, you know, through experiences, you just realize like, wow. Like you literally have no empathy. Like you would like destroy anyone if it meant like getting a dollar or just, yeah, make you feel like you won somehow. So for me, anyone with empathy is is a, is a good start <laughs> i
0: I love that. Um mine, I always go to honesty, but specifically honesty with tact. yeah, um. I, I value myself being like a 100% honest person. Um, I think it's, so I, I differentiate between being nice and being kind. And I, I think kindness is like actually caring about the people around you. So having that empathy for other people and niceness is how you present yourself. And I think sometimes with honesty, people, If you're honest, you're not always perceived as nice, but I think that honesty is the kinder way to do things. Um, Because, and I've had some friendships, which have been some of my favorite friendships in their time, where we had the rule that we would be 100% honest with each other, no matter how much it hurt. Because sometimes, and I think, and I've learned a lot through pain, um, both physical, emotional, all of that, like, I think, side note, there is, there's a song by Andy Grammer that I love called Wish You Pain, um, and it, you should listen to it, everyone should listen to it, it's great. <laughs> send
1: me, send um, it to me.
0: I will, I will, Um, but if you can be honest with that backsplash of empathy, like, honestly say hey you are driving your life into the ground and you need to take a step back and you need to relook at things because you are better and this is like literally a conversation that I had with somebody you are better than what you are giving to yourself right now and if you keep doing what you're doing you are not going to be the fantastic person that you are because you're going to drive yourself into the ground and you're not going to survive. And you are better than what you're giving yourself. And it was just like, I was like, holy, like, thank you for calling me out on my bullshit. Because not everyone, like there are, I would rather have a friend who's just like, you're being a shithead and you need to stop being a shithead than someone who's just like yeah no you're totally fine like if i'm offending people tell me i'm offending people because first of all i have adhd and i sometimes don't know that (laughs) what i'm saying is not appropriate for people um sometimes i'm just like this is what i think and people are like oh gosh chandra that's but if someone calls me out on it then i can say oh I, like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. I wasn't trying to, like, say something specifically about you. Like, there's all sorts of things. But those things can't be brought to light without someone who's willing to be honest. And I right. think if more people were honest, the world would be a better place. Because I feel like we... Because I, I 100%, I believe in lies of omission. Like, if you intentionally don't tell somebody something because you don't want them to react a certain way, you are lying to them. I 100% right. believe that. Because because it's intentional. If you don't tell somebody something because you forgot about it, like, that's not a, like, lie of omission. But if you're like, I, I can't tell my significant other that i spoke to a specific person because it's going to upset them that's a lie of omission i think it's better and like i my boyfriend will attest to this there are times where i'm just like hey i did this thing i know that you're not going to feel great about it because i know you enough and like we don't see eye to eye on every single thing on the planet because we're two humans being in relationship together and that's just how that goes but I I believe in having that hard conversation and saying, like, this is a part of me I know you don't like, but I'm also not going to hide this part of me from you because then I'm not being honest in this relationship. And like, every day in a relationship, you move forward being like, are we still agreeing to be together because of all of the variables that we both include and whatever? That sort of went on a tangent. But I think that, like... Relationships with everybody, whether it is significant other, friend, coworker, boss, like having those honest conversations is how you give to yourself that ability to live the life that you actually want to do the mm-hmm. things that only make you happy, that mm-hmm. the things that doing only the things you want to do. But in order to do that, you have to be honest and to siphon through all of the possibilities and the only way for you to do that is for other people around you to also be honest because the most the more dishonesty you have in those interactions the harder it is to like filter through all of the data anyway that was a long yeah i agree that
1: was very good
0: (laughs) okay question two what is more important, being loved or loving someone?
1: Um, I don't think, uh, I don't think I would separate those two. I don't, <laughs> um, okay, explain. I just, I don't, I wouldn't want to have to choose between being loved or loving someone. I think, um, I don't, I mean, being, Oh, no, I don't. Give me a second. Let me gather my thoughts. You okay. answer. <laughs> okay. I think. Um,
0: for me, it is more important to love someone than be loved. Um, and I say that because I have learned to love myself. So I am not in need of love from other people. Um, I enjoy it for sure. But it's not something that I require because I have already filled that cup of my own. Um, And because I have filled that cup of my own, I have love to give other people. And so for me, it's more important to love those around me. And I like I'm a firm believer that love like I don't have time to explain my whole theory on this right now, but for me, love is the energy that the universe is made up of. Okay, I'm I lied. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna explain it right now. So, like everything is love. Like the the chair I'm sitting on is love because it's made of different particles that have been put together by someone's ingenuity and creativity and engineering in order to give me something to sit on, and that is love. And my dog wanting to play fetch with me in the backyard is love and me holding the door open for somebody and vice versa is love. And so that is the energy that everything is made up of for me. And so loving someone is how I extend myself into the world. And I'm not... So I don't need someone else loving me, both because I filled that cup, but also because I have created the my world around me to not be lacking in that sense. Mm-hmm. And so I never don't feel loved anymore.
1: That's wonderful. Yeah. That's so wonderful. <laughs> okay, so the reason I paused was because i didn't want to say the thought that flashed in my head was to say and i'm gonna say it because I, I want to get it <clears> out <throat> and i would and the first thought that came to mind was being loved is scary <laughs> and yes. for some reason i was like Ooh. <laughs> if i say that that means there's something there and there actually is you know um I don't know being loved scared being loved scares me, and that goes deeper than just what I said <laughs> and um I'm sure there's some stuff there I'm gonna have to explore on that um <laughs> but um and being love and and loving loving scares me too, so um I don't know, I got some. <laughs>
0: I mean, I'm what not gonna to lie. Do. I agree with you..
1: Learning I to think, accept.
0: especially if you're talking like relational, I would agree that for me, also, it is scarier to be loved than to love. And I don't know. I don't know if this is gonna help be helpful to you because but what comes up for me is the control aspect. I mm-hmm. like I'm a self-proclaimed control freak. I am in control of how I love other people. I am not in control of how other people love me. And that's terrifying. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) So. I just immediately thought about lost. The idea of loving someone. And then just Mm -hmm. was like, but if I love them, I might lose them. (laughs) I don't know. I got some things to work on with love, apparently.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. It's one of those hard it's a very heavy, all encompassing feeling. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to have a conversation with you at a later point in time. Once you've, you know, thought on those things and meditated on right. them and see where that comes, where that, where that <laughs> all goes. Okay. Last question. What do you do when you feel overwhelmed and is there a better solution?
1: Oh, so I am really bad at, or good, I guess, at escapism. <laughs> so that is my answer to coping with overwhelming situations. Like it's just to like immediately leave, especially if it's like a, a room, a situation. Phys- if I could physically leave, I, I will leave. <laughs> that's, that's me. But if I can't, it's like, you know, I can't escape my mind in that way. I just leave it off. I sleep, I I find a way to not be here somehow, either physically or mentally. I'm like, the day is done for me. I'm just going to go home and go under my pillow and just pretend that I don't exist. Because if I don't exist, then I don't have these overwhelming things. So I know that's not the best coping mechanism. And I'm trying to not be like on that level of escapism to where I always feel like I just want to leave or I runaway uh, reality kind of deal so um, that is kind of what I do when I feel overwhelmed when it comes to work it actually sucks because if I'm overwhelmed with work I do the opposite of productivity it's almost like I become I call it I guess crippling anxiety would be the only thing where it's just like I have 20,000 things to do today and I'm so overwhelmed and I'm so freaked out and I get nothing done, (laughs) which is not a way to solve that problem. (laughs) All it's done is taken away time where I could have just started with one thing. But I have noticed that one good thing I do a lot of times is, let's say it's a project or something, I look at it and it's just like the most impossible thing. I'm looking at like, how am I ever going to do this, right? For, I'll give you a great example. Um, A few years back, actually 2019, but it started in 2018. I decided I want to go to France. I want to have some international experience. And I'm like, how the hell am I going to go to France? (laughs) You know, like, how am I going to get there? It just seemed like this impossible goal. And so, you know, it started with the Google search. To see if it's even possible to get a visa or what would be the steps and so this huge impossible task was just like I fi- I found the program that's a start the program has this list of like 15 different things you have to do include included in the money but the money comes easy you can work your butt off and eventually yeah. get to that part but all these other things you needed this that and that just it seems so impossible you know and I'm looking at this list of like 15 things I would have to do. And it just seemed so impossible that I was just, I had to just say, okay, let's just break this down task by task. Like if I could just do one thing, if I could pick the easiest thing to accomplish, you know, that'll give me enough dopamine to say, okay, that's one out of 15. Maybe I can get the next one. What's the next easiest thing? You know what I mean? And then I'll find that. Oh, take passport pictures done. That's $25 at the at the UPS store or wherever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Got that one done. And so that has been a tool that I'd like to utilize more and hope to utilize more is to just take this big impossible thing and to just break it down into the easiest things first. Because sometimes you you generally is like, you want to tackle the, get the hard things out of the way, but sometimes you got to start with the easy things because that's going to give you the high you want to say, okay, I got three things done. Next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And so that has been my, my biggest way to, to defeat the feeling of overwhelming is just kind of break things down into smaller things that I can handle in that moment. Like maybe later I'll have the the, the, you know, the motivation to tackle on the bigger projects. But right now, in this moment, I just need to do the small thing and and that still counts. So. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Um,
0: anytime I'm helping people through things like that, my question is always, what is the next smallest step? Like, is it wake up at seven o'clock in the morning and that's the first thing, and like you need to build that habit over the course of a couple weeks? that's fine. Like if that's, if that's the thing you need to do, you set your alarm. Like if the, if the next smallest step is you actually program the alarm and you stop the to work at actually listening to the alarm, like that's, that's the thing. That's the next smallest step. Um, I love that you talked about a list. I also ADHD, and we've talked about that on a side note as well, <laughs> but, um, same thing happens to me. I'm like, there's too much to do. I can't do any of it one of my favorite things I love that you're like I do a small thing so I get enough dopamine to do the next thing here's my trick when I write a list I write things that are like brainless of course these things are going to happen including number one to do thing on my list write list and so like you write the list and then the first thing you do cross like I will I will put things on my list that I've already completed so I can look back at my list and be like, I did it. Because if you I don't write that. it down, your brain doesn't give you credit. Like there are days mm-hmm. where I've come home and I'm just like, I got nothing done today. And then I'll list off all of the things I did in the day to my mom. And she'll be like, how did you get all that done today? I'm like, I did nothing. And she's like, you did a lot. And I'm like, but none of it is like, I didn't write any of it down I didn't cross any of it off. So like, I make lists, not, I mean, partially so I remember what I'm supposed to do, but so that I can give myself a pat on the back and be like, you did it. Because if I don't write it down, then like my brain won't give me credit. I could take over the world. And if I didn't write it down to cross it off a list, my brain might be like, what What did you even do today? Like what? took over, like, <gasps> no, like, yeah, write it on the list, took over the world and cross it off. And then my brain will be like, yes, you totally did that. Um, I feel like I'm on like so much on the same page with you with overwhelms, like on the, on the bad side of things, when I get overwhelmed, like go really bad side. Uh, One of the things I work on in therapy on a regular basis is disassociation because I Mm -hmm. have like last week I was talking to my therapist about this, about this whole idea that like, if disassociation has helped me survive situations, it's not necessarily a bad thing. However, like I would like to get to the point where I'm actually in charge of my brain and my brain isn't like, this is scary, we're going away.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly.
0: Be <laughs> um, because, like, I, and there are times where disassociation isn't a bad thing. Um, but I mean, I've not, in my life, I'm not super great at like leaving the room physically but I'm really great at like being in a room full of people and just like hanging out inside my head.
1: Mm -hmm. Like,
0: I don't, I don't know what's happening around me, but like, I've got a cinema inside this brain that like people would pay billions for. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) So, and then like the bad, bad side, like my overwhelm a lot of times, like on a almost a daily basis comes from being overstimulated because I'm a single mm-hmm. mom with two little boys who talk a lot and they want hugs a lot, and I am like, I believe in hugs, but I am not a touchy feely person. And my youngest wants like 15 hugs before bed, and I'm like, like number eight, and I'm just like, please stop touching me, please stop. So like, there's this all, the, and like sometimes I snap, and I feel bad, um, because I'm just like, I. I am overstimulated and I need you guys. Like, I need you to stop talking. I need you to stop running around. I need you to stop touching me. Like there's so many things I need. Um, so sometimes I snap at them on the good side. Like when I can realize like that overwhelm is coming on, I've gotten so much better at being able to speak to my own needs and saying, boys, mommy is overstimulated. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like there's too much noise. There is, there's just so much going on. I need some space. So whether that's going to my room by myself or like turning electronics off or whatever it is. But I think part of that is I've again, developed that world around me where I have learned to be open and honest with what I need and having open communication with people um I mean my kids are eight and ten they're not like I mean I've gotten compliments from their teachers they're like they are more emotionally intelligent than most adults and I'm like yeah well that's because we talk about everything they're like I stubbed my toe let's talk about it like (laughs) he said something mean to me okay let's talk about it um and so I feel like Being able to have that open communication with the people around me and being able to say, this is what I need because of my own internal, like, and I've said to my boys, like, I, I feel overwhelmed. I feel like the world is just like spinning around me and screaming at me. This does not have to do with you as a human being. This is everything to do with me. And like, there's just too much in my brain. There's too much going on. So like, and I apologize all the time because when I snap, when I'm just like, God, don't touch me. I'm like, like, especially my youngest, he's so empathetic. He feels everybody else's feelings. I am just like, I'm not trying to like step onto you or impact you, but like, I have to also protect myself. And like, there's all sorts of things. So I think that's, something they do that's good that I can continue to get better at Mm -hmm. um and other than that a better solution when I feel overwhelmed is actually taking time and space for myself in a active or even a proactive way like I don't meditate as much as I probably should (laughs) I think about Mm -hmm. it, but I don't. Like, one of the things for me, and you'll find this again on Sunday, uh, I don't read as much as I want to be reading. And um, I, like, it's one of those things that I want. For me, routines are a godsend. But if I don't have a routine, it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. So um, building a framework for my entire life I always tell people, like, every spontaneous thing I've ever done in my life has been meticulously planned out beforehand. So, like, I just have, like, a, a library of spontaneous things that I want to do someday. And I'm like, oh, boom, I've got time. Let's go do this. And people are like, whoa, you're so spontaneous. And I'm like, no, here's the itinerary that I planned 12 years ago. <laughs> We're going to follow it to a T.
1: Little do they know, the I've thing. been obsessing about this word. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Um, but yeah, I think, I don't know. So many things for me come down to communication. So Mm -hmm. that's what I'm going to say. So before we close this down, if there's one thing that you feel like the world needs to know, what is it?
1: Um... But, you know, every day you have to get up and every day, see, the thing is, you know, people people think that there's a, such a thing as being healed as far as like, you know, um, emotions, thoughts, uh, you know, difficulties in life, you know? And I don't think there is such a thing. I think it's always healing, you know? And that's something I have to remind myself every day because I can learn a lesson. And then a week later, I still stumble, you know what I mean? So, you know, when I'm walking down the street with my head held high and I'm smiling and and doing all that stuff, you know, it's because I had to start the day over again, intentionally saying to myself, this is how we will go about this day. And even though I have one good day doesn't mean they're always going to be good. And so it's just... A lot of people think you have to get to this point where it's like, oh, and now everything's perfect. Every day is another project. Every day is a project to practice those lessons and to practice those things that we learn and to say, you know, to start over again. And then it's like, if you didn't get everything you needed to do that day, whether it's physically, emotionally, or or work-wise, start again tomorrow. You know, if you fail, you only failed that day. It doesn't mean like you're a failure, you know? So it's just that. <laughs> and the funny thing about failure, I think, is I'm most known for my, for, <laughs> I'm most known and recognized as far as me personally for losing on Bobby Flay. I mean, I know I'm known for what for being on the show, but also in the episode, I didn't beat Bobby Flay, and that's the thing I'm known for. Which is funny because I'm someone who some some may say can be a perfectionist, and so it's just funny that for me, you know, I I I look at that and I'm like, that's so funny that that's how the universe would present that to me. Is <laughs> because now I'm known for this thing that I wanted to win, but I didn't. But now I and I and at first. I thought of it as like almost like a loss, you know, but mm-hmm. because it's it, it was a competition um yeah but it's just something that I've had to to be like that it, it was just such a lesson to me to be like okay, things are not win or lose. They're not black and white, you know? So it's like you can't look at it that way. So I think um even in, in not accomplishing things that you've set out to accomplish, there's no such thing as failure. It's only ever lessons. So that's something I agree. I, I agree. I like.
0: Actually, one of the things I say all the time is that failure is just the first step. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, Katrina, it was fantastic talking to you. Um, thank you for joining me on the common humanity podcast and having a real human conversation with me.